Yo, 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 what is going on everybody? My name is Angelo, but you guys can call me AJ, and welcome to The Cast. We're going to be joined today by my sister Casey. Yo, what's up? And today, we're going to be talking about a story. A spine-tingling type of story. Something that, you know, will raise your hair and give you goosebumps type of story. And just know that this story is also real and is still left unsolved till this very day. So let's switch up the pace real quick and let's get into it. So without further ado, Travis, take it away! Yeah. So, have you ever heard a story about the Diatlov Pass? No, what's it about? Well, the story dates back on January 23, 1959. It's when a group of 10 college students, who mind you, are all experienced hikers, went on a hiking trip into the Siberian wilderness. For what was supposed to be an extra credit in which they are getting the highest level of hiking excursion certificate in Russia at the time. That they hope will pave a way into a brighter future. You know, going into the trip, it was all fine. People were taking pictures, they were just having a good time in general. Documenting all of their problems and how they solved it to also further proof that they did go on the trip and not just cheated. It pretty much seemed like it was the beginning of a horror movie, you know, before the bad things come. <laughs> but anyways, Igor Dyatlov, the leader of the group, was named after the pass slash area of the mountain that the whole tragedy happened. To save time and everything, I will only be mentioning the last names of the other 9 hikers. And I do apologize in advance because I am most likely going to butcher pronouncing all of their names. So without further ado, here we go. So we got Doryshenko, Dubinina, Krivonyshenko, Kolevatov, Kolmogrova, Slobodin, Rignols, Zolotaryov, and Yudin. Two women, eight men, and only one survived. Now, before heading into the actual mountain that they're doing the hiking in, which is called Mount Ortorten by the way, which in direct translation literally means dead, so don't go there at all, they stopped at a local Manzi tribe, in which was all fun and games at first, until we get into the actual willy-nilly of the stuff, which was one of the last journal entries that was written by one of the hikers, saying that, well, at least now we know snowmen do exist, and just to further creepy guys even more, and one of their photos taken, there was an actual silhouette of what appears to be a snowman or a figure or some sort in the background. And do you know what this photo looks like? Yes, I actually do have it right now and I'll show it to you. Oh, so was it a snowman attack or are there proof that it isn't an animal attack? Well, that's the thing. No one knows what happened. Carrying on though, after writing about the said journal entry, it did upset the local Mansi tribe as well. So, that says something. Anyways, before the whole actual hike began, a tragedy first struck one of the hikers, which is Yudin, in which he started feeling sick and started having some joint pains. This of course made him very upset because all his life, he was always held back with that health problem that he had. Little did he know, this health problem that he despised the most will actually save his life. Feeling bad that he might just become a big liable to the whole group because of his health condition, Yudin and the rest of the hikers both agreed to part ways in the very last local village that they're making a stop, 
in which they agreed that around February 12th, they are going to send a telegram to him to let him know that they are back in the local village and is most likely on the way back home. On the last local village before the actual day they have decided to part ways, Yudin remembers seeing Igor Dyatlov having a heated argument with one of the Mansi people, telling him not to go there at all. However, he did not really care and decided not to pay attention to it. So, it is now February 1st, and Yudin is currently recovering and on his way back to the college town, while the rest of the nine hikers had just reached that mountain. It was getting very cold and late at night, so they had decided to set shop. However, they had chosen a very odd spot, because it was at the bottom of the mountain, which is not really a flat valley, but mostly a slope. Which in case of an avalanche happening, they are pretty much goners, because there would be no warning at all, and they're literally experienced hikers. So this choice of them baffled a lot of people who were looking into the case. Because why would they choose such an odd spot? But then again it explains because at the same time, the area slash mountain is not really prone to any avalanche at all. And it is also speculated that they did it because you only live once. So anyways, after setting shop, they all went to sleep for a big day ahead of them, with the very last journal entry written by one of the hikers, saying, It's difficult to imagine such comfort on the ridge, with shrill, howling winds, 100 kilometers away from human settlements. Yo, that's crazy. So fast forward a bit, and February 12th comes around, and there has not been any telegram or messages from the rest of the nine hikers. And Yudin, the survivor, was like, what the heck? Why haven't they sent me any telegram yet? It's already February 12th. They probably just forgot about me, or I'm not as important as I thought I am. Or maybe they're on their way back home. But you know, being a concerned friend at all, he contacted the rest of the nine hikers' families, but to a surprise, no news at all. However, they did not really worry, because at the end of the day, it was a hiking expedition, and they know that it takes serious amount of time. But when the days go by, they started to panic because it could not have taken them that long. So they contacted for help but it was not until a week later when the whole search and rescue took place and it did not take that fast to find the bodies as well. After arriving at the campsite, they have noticed something weird about it. The tent was not fully covered in snow and it seemed to be that the tent was cut open from the inside. And what's even more creepier is that the hikers went out of the tent in a calm and orderly fashion. Like literally at one point, it looked like their footprints were like all in one single file. And key note is that they left with not much good clothing at all. They literally left their boots in the tent and for them to go out in the frigid temperature where it can reach almost more than minus 50 degrees in socks. It's crazy to think of that. Wait, so did they freeze to death? Yes. Some of the deaths were labeled as hypothermia and some of the deaths were also labeled as death by an unknown compelling force. Again, to save time and everything else, I will not be telling all the injuries each hiker sustained but I will be mentioning all the hikers that were found in order as well as the way they were found 
and a few more important injuries after. So the first two bodies that were found were Doroshenko and Krivonoshenko. They were the first people to be found with little to almost no clothing at all. And the thing is, they were found with flesh of their knuckles in their mouth. So it was either them trying to keep themselves awake because they were freezing to death, or they were trying not to cry out loud. Why would they try to stay quiet? Wouldn't... Why would they try to stay quiet? Would it, if you were stranded somewhere, wouldn't you be yelling for help? We don't know. That's the thing. Maybe do not draw the attention of any animals, or maybe the Yeti. The second group of bodies that were found were the remains of Igor Dyatlov, Kolmogrova, and Slobodin. They were found with having a little better clothing than the two first bodies. But the way they were found was so weird. Especially the body of Igor Dyatlov. He was found with both of his fists clenched. In some reports, it says that he was holding a stick on the other hand while one was shielding his face. So it seems like he was fighting something or someone. And also another fact is that he was also dating one of the women in the group, which was Kolmogrova, and was found with a picture of her in his pocket. The next and last four people to be found were better clothed than the rest of everyone else. This consisted of Dubinina, Kolevatov, Brignoles, and Zolotaryov. But the weirdest thing is that these people were literally founded with crazy scary injuries such as missing eyes, tongues, eyebrows, and so on. They were found buried deep into the snow, which was the last desperate attempt to stay alive in the vast frozen wasteland. Wait, really? Dubinina was literally found with her mouth wide open. And it was found out that she had coagulative blood in her stomach. So for that to happen, it means that when her tongue got ripped out, that means she had to be alive. And the blood like filled up in her stomach. And again, the rest of the bodies found all sustained such weird and bizarre injuries that it is impossible for a human being to have caused those, like broken ribs and fractured skulls with no big signs of bruising at all on the outside of the body. All of the bodies found also showed signs of resistance and as well as some radiation levels in some of the clothings. Also another worth mentioning is that some of the bodies found did show signs of manipulation after death. It could be argued that it is because of the other survivors trying to stay warm. But in the case of Igor Dayatlov, it's just weird. At the end of the day, three of the bodies were labeled with the cause of death due to physical injuries or labeled death by an unknown compelling force, while six was labeled death by hypothermia. After finding the bodies and seeing what has happened to them, this of course sparked multiple conspiracy theories behind it. One of the most popular one was the theory about the abominable snowman, which of course I told you guys the reason why already. However, the reason why the theory doesn't really make sense to some people was that for there to be an abominable snowman, there would have been 
a large footprint around the area and there was no really other footprints around the area besides the nine hikers. There was also a theory about alien slash UFO sightings reported before and after the incident and in what seemed to be a floating light or ball of fire hovering around Mount Ortorton. To back it up, there was a photo evidence who, which was taken by one of the nine hikers during the initial incident in what seems to be a ball or a circle figure of light. However, that theory doesn't really make any sense to some people because for aliens to be included is just a big stretch in some people's idea. Speaking of the photo that one of the hikers allegedly took, he was found with a camera around his neck and it was just so weird because Yurin, the survivor, swore that he never had seen that camera throughout the entire trip and coincidentally the camera that nobody has ever seen appears to have water damage. Another theory is that since this was a time when the Soviet Union was still in power and in control, they believed that this was a result of Soviet suppression. Because maybe they found something or stumbled upon a military test area in which was actually stated that a lot of military bases did exist in that region of Siberia at the time. Pretty much the reason why people believe this so much is because based on the facts that was pretty much laid out in the initial search and just how weird the government and officials acted throughout this whole entire operation, it's like they were hiding something. Especially since it had been weeks since the government officially released to the population about this unfortunate news. From the radiation found in the clothing, which is just a weird thing to have especially in the snowy mountain ranges. To some of the cameras being labeled missing slash having water damage to a personal diary that is believed to be holding all the answers that we're looking for in case there was some tension happening in the group that could have resulted into this accident that suddenly was just labeled missing to even a pair of glasses that never belonged to anyone in the group and a piece of garment that apparently belongs to a military officer being found within the campsite. Clearly something is being hidden by the government which is why people agree with this theory a lot. Another good backup for this theory is that a former investigator from the Dyatlov Pass came forward and said that he found it odd because some documents from the government's last military records states that the whole operation and investigation actually took place about two weeks before the actual investigation began. It is also worth mentioning that in the moment of all of this, people also started to blame and point fingers at the local Mansi tribe, which is a so disrespectful and sad and really made a lot of people mad because of this accusation. Pretty much it is just theories after theories. Other theories also revolving around the paradoxical undressing, common vortex, infrasound, catabatic wind, and many more. And there's just a lot more that I want to touch base on, but it's going to take a while if we actually talk about it, so I do apologize for that. But pretty much you guys get the idea. This whole incident is the real deal. Yo, that's crazy. I know, it really is. Moving on though, 
in light of all of this, there was this man named Johan Gom, in which I'm being honest, I think I just butchered pronouncing his name. He had actually thought to have solved the 62-year-old mystery. He had partnered up with one of the animators from Disney's Frozen to see a much more realistic answer to the tragic incident. They had used special effects to determine the type of avalanche that would hit the tent. They also have simulated the size, weight, and speed and would have taken the slab of snow to deal such damage. Based on the study, it was shown that whatever avalanche that happened is a rare occasion, but not impossible at all. The tragedy was mostly a result of wind and snow deposition, especially since the way they had pitched the camp in the lee of a ridge, as well as some slabs can be quite hard, and it is very probable that it can result into blunt trauma wounds. In the end though, the study that was done doesn't really answer what has happened, but it hopes to shed a light and bring a new idea into the story of that tragic incident. So that is the story of the Dyatlov Pass. Obviously, the story up to this date is still left unanswered and people can only speculate to what has really happened to the hikers. People can only think of so much from the gathered evidence that almost every possible theory that other folks come up with seems to be a dead end and doesn't really add up, especially to the hikers' bizarre injuries. And it's more frightening to know that this is actually based off a real event and that anything is really possible. I've read a lot of uh, horror stories before, but then I haven't really like, you know, came across real life events, and this is actually like pretty interesting. So that should be all for today, guys. You know, I'm trying to keep this podcast short. I had to unfortunately cut down on some of the information that I'm sharing to you guys. But if you guys are hooked in into the whole incident and want to know more, especially about the number of theories surrounding it. Please, please, please feel free to check it out and see it for yourself. It's definitely one of the greatest true crime unsolved mysteries I've heard thus far, and I would recommend listening to the coverage of this incident that was done by either Stephanie So or Nick Crowley on YouTube, as I personally believe that they have done a much more better justice in retelling the story than what I did. But anyways, that is all. My name is AJ, joined by my sister Casey, and we'll see you guys next time on the cast. Bye. Peace.